I had some very profound words to say right here at this point, and I don't have them to say right now. Because that praise is amazing. And uh, we get to be here lifting up, lifting high the name of Jesus and singing his praise, and, and there's something very significant that's missing, and that is the congregation. Uh, God knew what he was doing when he put together the congregation of the saints who are to gather together and lift high the name of Jesus, and there's just something powerful that happens when we get to do it together. And um, we're missing that a lot, and I know that you are too. And we're going to talk about today in, in our message, we're going to talk about the, the, the time to wait on the Lord. And um, I'm going to lean into this a little bit later. I just want you to know that my heart is heavy right now and I'm, I'm sad. We all are sad that we can't sing those magnificent songs um, together as one full congregation. And I, I'm sure you're going to feel like me, that I'm going to appreciate the gathering. I'm going to appreciate the assembly of the congregation of the redeemed like I never have before because of the time we have spent away from each other. But thank God for technology, and thank God we get to do this together, and we at least get to sing together like we have, and we get to get into God's word, which is so powerful and ready for us and relevant for today. So please take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 41. It's the first book of the Bible, so go there and go to chapter 41 as we continue our study. And while you're going there in your Bibles, I just want to um, give you a praise um, and tell you that the, the delivery of food, um, our container actually made it to Burkina Faso um, in Ouagadougou, the capital there, and is now being distributed in trucks going straight to our brothers and sisters in Christ. So those of you who participated in that and helped us with that project, you know, we sent relief, immediate relief to them, and they were so thankful for that. And now our container has finally arrived, and that needed uh, relief is going to our brothers and sisters who are undergoing incredible persecution. Would you just keep praying for them and then asking God about what the next stage is for us, because we would like to send another container here soon. And once all this settles down and we gather back together, we'll be talking about how we can do that again and send uh, more relief to our brothers and sisters over there. But I knew you'd want to know and praise the Lord with us about the fact that it's gotten there and they're so appreciative and the word is continuing to go forth because of your help. So thank you uh, for all of that. So here we are in Genesis chapter 41. Hopefully you've got your Bible turned to that at this time. And we're going to jump back into our series um, titled Joseph, the Legendary Tale. And the last time we were together in the book of Genesis, <clears throat> we left Joseph um, being in slavery for 13 years. And right now in his story, he finds himself serving an extended prison sentence after being falsely accused of raping his master's wife or the attempt of that. And um, so he's down there, he's in prison, he's in an extended prison sentence right now as we find ourselves in Genesis 41. So what I want to do is just read the story, and then we're going to draw some practical application to it for our lives today, okay? So let's start with Genesis chapter 41, verse 1, and let me just read the story, and you read along as I read. 
Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. In his dream, he saw seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and begin grazing in the marsh grass. Then he saw seven more cows come up behind them from the Nile, but these were scrawny and thin. These cows stood beside the fat cows on the riverbank. Then the scrawny, thin cows ate the seven healthy fat cows, and that's kind of gross to think about, but that's what his dream was, and sometimes we don't understand our dreams. At this point in the dream, shockingly, right, Pharaoh wakes up, but he fell asleep again and had a second dream. This time he saw seven heads of grain, plump and beautiful, growing on a single stalk. Then seven more heads of grain appeared, but these were shriveled and withered by the east wind, and these thin heads swallowed up the seven heads, well, the seven well-formed heads. Then Pharaoh woke up again and realized it was a dream. The next morning, Pharaoh was very disturbed by the dream. So in other words, he couldn't understand why he would have these two dreams like this. So he called all the magicians and the wise men of Egypt. When Pharaoh told him his dreams, none of them, not one of them, could tell him what they meant. Jump to verse 14. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he quickly brought him from prison After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to him, I had a dream last night, and no one here can tell me what it means. But I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Jump to verse 25. Joseph responded, both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. The seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity, so there's going to come some great time for Egypt. The seven thin scrawny cows that came up later and the seven thin heads of grain withered by the east wind represent seven years of famine. This will happen just as I have described it, for God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt. But afterward, there will be seven years of famine so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land. This famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. As for having two similar dreams, it means that these events have been decreed by God and he will soon make it happen. Therefore, Pharaoh, you should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt." So that's the story we're working on today, and there is an overarching theme to this sermon that I'm going to show you on the screen, and I want you to write down somewhere. Three very important things that we need to understand. The first is this, that God's plans are eternally in motion. God has always been at work, and Jesus even said, my father has always been at work, and he is at work to this very day. God is always at work. He is always accomplishing his plans. They are always eternally in motion, and our life trials are temporal and momentary. That's the second aspect that we're going to see coming out of this story today. And then the third is that God and his word are eternally true and trustworthy, My friends, uh, God's word, it's so important for us to understand. And Peter, when he wrote, the Apostle Peter, he wanted us to understand that, that God's word is full of his very great and precious promises 
that help us become, in our time of need, partakers of God's divine nature. And what that means is that they help us to understand. God's promises help us understand who he is, and we experience him in all of his magnificent supernatural glory when he delivers on his promises for us. I want to ask you a question. When do we need God's promises the most? I want you to think about that. When is it, what's happening in your life when you really need to have God's promises revealed to you or reminded to you or you really need to be able to have them pour over you in your heart and in your life? When do we really need God's promises the most? Isn't it when we're in the dungeon experiences of our life? I don't know about you, but most of the time, when I find myself in those times of suffering, or those dungeon experiences in the dark, whenever I can't understand why things are going the way that they're going, I, it makes me hard to focus on the positive during those times. It, it, I find myself focusing on all the negative of that experience. I tend to feel like somehow I'm forsaken and somehow I'm forgotten, or somehow God doesn't care, or God has, has forgotten that I exist, or that nobody else cares either about what I'm going through, and you may be feeling that way right now. I'm sure you felt that way at some time or another. I just want you to know that those feelings are lying to you when they're telling you that God doesn't care, when they're ca- telling you that God has forgotten and forsaken you. It's there in that pit that we need to be reminded of the relevant truth that God's word is trustworthy and that we can trust his promises because God has never missed the mark of his intention of why he has you going through the things that he has for you. God has never failed to deliver on his promises and humans for thousands of years have been able to trust Promises like what I'm going to read you right now. Promises like, I will never leave you or forsake you. Emphasis on the word never. When God says, I will never leave you, it means he will never leave you. And he will never forsake you. Deuteronomy 31, 6 through 8. How about this promise? If you will bring your worries to me, I will give you peace in your storm that will go far beyond your ability to comprehend. And that peace that I give you will protect your heart and your mind. I'll put a hedge around your heart and your mind and your feelings. If you'll just give me your worry, Philippians 4.13. Here's another one. I will make straight paths for your feet out there in the wilderness. Whenever you don't know where to go, you don't need to worry. I will make straight paths for your feet, a solid foundation for you to walk on if you will let go and just trust me, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Jesus said, I will give you that much-needed rest if you will just come to me and let me carry your heavy burden. If you'll let me carry the load that I can see that you're you're crumbling beneath the weight of. I can see that you're having a hard time. I can see that you're, you really need a break and you really need some rest. If you'll come to me and give me that load, 
I will carry it for you and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. And I love this one that comes out of Isaiah 49, 15 that's really relevant to today's message is this. Others may forget you, but I will not forget you. How awesome is that promise? Other people may let you down, but I will never let you down. They may forget about you, but I will never forget you. In fact, I have tattooed your name on the palms of my hands. Did you know that, my friends? If you're his child, he's actually got you, as some passages say, graven. He has tattooed you on the palms of his hands. He's got your name written on his hands. How awesome is that? There are literally thousands of promises. Some have said that there are over, I haven't counted them up, but there are over 7,000 promises for God's people that he says, if you'll give it to me, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of you. And those promises, those are God's voice crying out to his children, believe me, accept me, trust me, Take hold of me because I'm taking hold of you and hang on to me. I will take care of you through whatever it is you find yourself going through in these hard times in life. These stories that we read in the Bible, that we're reading here in Genesis about the story of Joseph and the many other stories that we find in the Bible, you need to understand they are not fictitious fairy tales. They're not just like this little storybook that you read your kids to make them believe that everything's gonna be fine in the world. These are actually historic accounts that God, by the inspiration of his Holy Spirit, visited men like Moses and said to them, Moses, write the details of this story down, this story about Joseph, because 2,600 years from now, a guy named Philip of the clan of buyers is going to need to see that I am the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's gonna to need to be assured that I am his faithful God and I will be with him just like I was with you, Moses, and just like I was with Joseph, and he needs to know that he can trust me in his dungeonous experiences, that I will be right there with him just like I was with Joseph. And my friends, what we're about to read here and what we're reading in the story of Joseph is that message for you. God is crying out to you. You don't need to be worried. As just like I was with Moses, just like I was with Joseph, I will be with you. And all of my faithful promises are coming your way. And all of my grace and all of my strength is coming your way. And all of my peace to help you and to strengthen you in your time of need and to protect your heart and your emotions and your mind are there for you in your time of need. Romans 15, 4 says this, everything that was written in the past, which is what we're reading right here in God's word, was written to each of us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we may have hope. My prayer for you is that today, as we walk down through this, this story of Joseph, that you will find hope for your circumstance. And before we jump in, I wanna take you one more spot, okay? I wanna take you to Job. You remember Job, right? This was a man who suffered greater than any man on earth. Great, great loss. And Job hit this period where he was very depressed. 
He was angry and becoming a little cynical probably in the midst of all that was going on because he lost everything. It was just wave after wave after wave of heartache that came into his life. And the scripture says in Job 23 that Job was crying out these bitter cries and he was saying things like, oh, if only I could find God. I go to the east and he's not there. I go to the west and I can't find him. I don't see him in the north, he is hidden. And I look to the south, but he has concealed himself from my view. In the middle of crying out like that, Job had this profound truth tucked into his heart and into his mind. Because after he cries out, what I just read to you, he says this in Job 23.10, I can't see you, but he knows where I am going. I can't see God, but he knows where I am going. He sees me. And when his, he tests me, you can actually read this, when he is through testing me, I will come out as pure as old. Can you hear, as gold, I'm sorry, can you hear the trust that he has in his sovereign God in the midst of this horrible life experience that he has found himself? Lost his children, lost his wealth, and lost his health. I can't find him, I can't see him down here. But it doesn't matter, he knows where I am, and after this test is over, I will be purified. He had knowledge, he had the truth about his circumstance that brought him hope in the middle of it. Our trials, my friends, are the same as this gold refining process that Job is talking about. When I get done being tested, I will come out as pure as gold. I just want you to know that it's only in the submission to the heat of the furnace, which is called the crucible, that gold finds its purification. I actually looked crucible up, and this is what was in the dictionary. That place of severe trial that leads to the creation of something new. Do you see that there, there has to be, Job understood that there had to be a testing, and I'm in the middle of this hot furnace, I'm in the middle of this test, but I know that God is up to something. He's put me in that place of severe trial to lead me to the creation of something new. I'm going to come out purified, I'm going to come out brand new on the other side of the heat of this. I did some study on the gold purification process this week and I found this. You don't purify gold in a hurry. It's not a short process, this gold purification. In fact, the longer the fiery process in the crucible, the longer that gold is in the crucible, the purer the gold. The promise here from God's word and what he wants us to know is that when he's done testing you, you will come out on the other side as pure gold. That is, as long as you submit yourself to the process. The promise 
of this process and the new that comes is not necessarily external prosperity, which a lot of us expect and we want on the other side. It's something much deeper. Um, It's not, if I just wait through, I'll get my job back. If I just wait long enough, I'll get my job back, because you may not get your job back. We're going to find here that that Joseph, we're seeing in the story that Joseph had prosperity, and then he's in the dungeon. We're going to see him have prosperity again, but it's not the same prosperity. It's not, he didn't go back to Potiphar's house. He's got something else. God has something else in plan for him. It's not the promise of, I get on the other side of this and my business is going to come back and I'm going to be a millionaire. It's not the promise of that. It's not the promise of, I just have to deal with this cancer right now and God's going to do his work in me and then he's going to heal me from the cancer. Praise God, he he still heals people, but that is not the promise of God's word. It's not talking about my wife is going to survive the accident. It's not the promise of when I just get through this and I just deal with this, my husband's going to come back to me. I just know it. And we pray for those things and we should pray for those things and we should ask for those things. That's not what it's talking about here. This is what it's talking about. 1 Peter 5.10 tells us what this is talking about. The God of all grace who called you, and we've talked about that, that a lot of times, well, all the time, there is a calling on our life, and God has a plan for all these things that we go through. That after you have suffered a little while, God himself will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Those are not external prosperity. Those are are things of internal prosperity. Prosperity. These are the internal working of your character that God is interested in. And when the testing is over, and when the flame dies down, and when the furnace is turned off, you will come forth more stable with a depth of character that is godly and wise and valuable and usable and in high demand, especially by others who are in the fire, find themselves in the fire, who need someone like you to come alongside of them and give them hope, like this story of Joseph is going to give us hope. That there is life after the trial and that God has a plan. Now, all of this that we're talking about that I just took you through is introduction to the hard, painful backdrop of Joseph's life to this point. Joseph's life has been filled with disappointment, mistreatment, false accusation, slavery, being forgotten and rejected, And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I've had so many of you write into me and say, man, Phil, this story is exactly what I need because I find myself right here dealing with the same things that Joseph is dealing with and how I need the truth that is coming out of God's word and out of the story of Joseph. In fact, if you you get really quiet and listen, In your life, you can actually hear the dross boiling off of your life in the crucible of that situation. Because my friends, God is making gold. 
out of your life. Joseph understood this. And in the 23rd verse of chapter 40, if you want to go back to, to, go back to your, your Bibles to Genesis chapter 40, we see that Pharaoh's cupbearer forgot about Joseph, never giving him another thought, and two years later, Pharaoh had a dream. Two years later. And what we know is that he'd already been in there for 10 years. And I could imagine Joseph saying, God, get me out of here. I've been down here for 10 years, and now two more years, get me out of this circumstance. I'm down here for another two years, waiting, and nothing. I'm not getting anything. I'm not hearing anything from you. I'm not hearing anything from anybody else. I've been here long enough. I've learned my lesson, right? How many of us have been there? Okay, 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 I've had enough. You need to get me out of here. And yet we're there for another two years. Or we're there for another month. Or we're there for another 10 years. Or we, I, don't, I don't know what you've been going through. But there comes time when we have to come to grips with the fact that God has got us in the waiting zone for some reason. He's not just forgotten by his his buddy, Mr. Cupbearer up there, who should have remembered, right, and, and should have said something, and they should have already come down and taken him out. He's not just forgotten him, he's forgotten him for a long time. And if Joseph were, if you were the counselor to Joseph, and Joseph were crying, was crying out in a counseling session to you, why has God had me down here for so long? Why? What would your answer be to him? Do you know how to answer somebody in the midst of that? When they're asking, why is this? I'm, I'm going to give you a hint. This story gives us the hint right here that we've been talking about today. The answer is because God isn't done with the refining process of Joseph's character yet. Gold is still being refined. And God still had work to do in Joseph's life. And I just want to let you know something. God is not, God is an eternal being He's not limited by time and space, and he's never in a hurry. He's perfectly patient, and he will not take us out of the oven until we're ready for our next assignment, until he has done the work inside of us that he needs to do so that we're ready to take on the next thing that he has in his plan for us. And I just want you to know that there is a morning coming, just like there was for Joseph, that glorious moment when Pharaoh woke up from his dream. Now he had this dream and he was perplexed about it. He was aggravated about it, didn't know what it meant. So he calls all of his guys together, all of the wise men of Egypt and says, you guys, here's my dream, tell me what it means. And everybody said, we can't tell you what it means. We don't know what it means. And then we come to verse nine of chapter 41. Go there with me. The king's chief cupbearer spoke up. And all of us, let's say together, it's about time. And he says to Pharaoh, he says, today I have been reminded of my failure. Now, if you do a deeper dive on that word, you will find that it says basically this. Today I have been reminded of my sin. I have been reminded of my guilt. Some of your versions might say, I have been reminded of my offense. In other words, 
I have sinned. And he, so this tells me he knew that he let Joseph down and he didn't say anything for whatever reason. But he speaks up and he says, today I've been reminded of my failure. Can I just, can I just stop here? This guy could have been reminded of his failure like a year and 11 months ago. One month into his release from prison that Joseph predicted, but he didn't. He could have remembered a year and six months ago and had Joseph just sitting in there for six months. Listen, my friends, I want to say to you that God is sovereign in our life and he knows exactly when he needs to release us out of the crucible. He knows exactly when we're ready to take on the next thing. And it is now, I believe, that God says to him, you need to release this now. Everybody is in God's plan. Even those who have sinned against us. And he says to Pharaoh, some time ago, verse 10, you were angry with the chief baker and me and you imprisoned us in the place, in the palace of the captain of the guard. One night, the chief baker and I each had a dream and each dream had its own meaning. There was this young Hebrew man with us in the prison who was a slave of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams and he told us what each of our dreams meant. And everything happened just as he predicted I was restored to my position as cupbearer, and the chief baker was executed and impaled on a pole, and it all happened exactly the way Joseph said it would happen. Practical application number one, write this down. This is what we're going to pull from this story. Hold on. This won't last forever. Hold on. This won't last forever. There is an end to our time of imprisonment. And Joseph's story tells us that. Verse 14, Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once. Circle those, letter, those words right there. He went and sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly, circle that word, quickly brought from the prison. And after he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. Aren't you glad, my friends, that the story doesn't end? And there, Joseph remained in prison for the rest of his life, period. Aren't you glad? Can I just say this? That's not how the story ends for God's people. It never ends that way. In fact, even when we do come to the end of our story here on this earth, the Bible promises us that for God's people, it ends with, and to be present with the, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Our hope is in the fact that God has us and we are his and he is ours and he will never leave us. In fact, when we come to the end of our story, we're told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 4 that we don't, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. When those of our loved ones die and pass on, if they die in the Lord, they're with the Lord and someday they're gonna come back, come back with the Lord and they're gonna take us together and we're gonna all be together again. Our stories never end with, and Joseph remained there in the prison, and God forgot him and left him there for the rest of his days. It never ends that way. For those of us who know the Lord, the message is, hold on, my brothers and sisters. Don't you know that the darkest part of the night is just before the sun breaks, just before the break of dawn? You're right on the edge of the night, and hope is coming in the morning, no matter what your circumstance. You're, 
You're just a moment away from your deliverance and from your redemption. Suffering can be long, and it can last forever, it seems like. Joseph's down in there for 12 years, but deliverance comes quickly. Immediately, they sent for Joseph, and quickly, he brought him up out of the prison, and his prison state is over. So hold on, my friends. This won't last forever. Here's the practical application number two. Don't overreact. Let God do his work. Now, I'm going to play with the scriptures a little bit here, okay, and take some liberty. Um, Because I know how I would react in the middle of this, and I would overreact at this point, okay, of the story. So, but I just want you to understand the lesson is don't overreact. Let God do his work. Genesis 41, 15, Pharaoh said to Joseph, so Joseph's now standing before Pharaoh, and he says to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one here can tell me what it means. And get this part, but I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Now, Joseph is standing there before Pharaoh, and I guarantee you the cupbearer is standing right there. And Joseph sees him. Joseph replies, you mean you heard about it from that snake in the grass right there? You heard about it from the Mr. Cupbearer over there that I asked to do me a favor? I did him a favor? And I asked him to do me a favor. Did he tell you about it, huh? Did he tell you about it? No, he waits two years. And I'd give that guy a piece of my mind. And that's how I would handle it. I would overreact in the middle of that circumstance. And I'd say, thanks a lot, pal. That's not how it worked here. I'm so impressed (laughs) with Joseph here. Because... Pharaoh actually says, I have heard that you can interpret dreams. Let me tell you this, this, that I have learned from this. Others will let you down. But you know, we talked about God's great promises. God has promised that he will never let you down and he will never forget. Hebrews 6.10, look at this with me. God is not unjust and he won't forget your work of love that you have shown him as you have helped others. Do you see that there? Whenever you help others and you do good for other people, you're actually showing him love when you do that. And they may forget you, and they may choose not to to tell somebody about what you did for them, and they may not do what you asked them to do, and they may let you down in that way and forsake you, but God never will. He will never forget the work of love that you have shown him when you have helped others. So my friends, let God handle the cupbearers in your life. Those who reject you, and those who forget you, and those who disappoint you, and those who let you down. You let God take care of it. Be like Joseph. We don't have to point it out. Yeah, there you are, standing there, and you let me down. Let God take care of it, and just move on, and submit to the plan that God has for you. Let God handle the Potiphar's wives in your life. Those who falsely accuse you and slander your name. Those who try to take you down to advance their own agendas. He didn't stand before Pharaoh and say, hey, before we talk about anything here and before we talk about your dream, could we just talk about Potiphar? And and did you know how wicked his wife is? And did you know that she falsely accused me and sent me to prison? I've been sitting in prison, rotting in prison for 12 years. 
Can we just talk about that first before we get into anything else? In fact, let's make a deal, Pharaoh. You, uh, you, you deal harshly with that woman over there, and I'll tell you what God's dream is. I'll tell you what God wants you to know. He didn't do any of that. He's like, let, let God handle the Potiphar's wives in your life. Let me just go here, too. Let God handle those family members and friends that you have who mock you and abuse you and hate you because you're walking with and you're walking in the favor of God. See, we need to be like Jesus. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. And we need to mimic him who endured the suffering of the cross and despised its shame and remained faithful to the pain. And when he was hanging on the cross, actually said to his father, Father, forgive them. I wouldn't have said that. I would have been, Father, call down the angels and wipe them out. But he didn't do that because he had a vision of what was happening, the greater vision of God's plan. He despised the shame of the cross and remained faithful to the great, big, miraculous, God-sized, supernatural plan that God had for his life while he was here on, on earth. The bigger than my current circumstances plan that God is working in your life and mine. Jesus kept the big picture before him all the while, trusting the God who has never let anyone down. He entrusted his soul and his heart and his life to his faithful God, his Father. And we're supposed to do the same. The God who's never forgotten anyone, who's never accused anyone, who's never mistreated anyone, who has always been good and always will be good, who has always been faithful and always will be faithful, who has always been right there by your side helping and loving and dispensing grace and peace, and the scripture says we'll continue to do that forevermore. So my friends, don't overreact. Let God do his work. And then finally, let's look at this. Practical application number three, humble yourself. Exaltation is on the way. Pharaoh hears that Joseph can interpret people's dreams. Let me ask you a question, is that true? Pharaoh says, I hear that when you hear a dream, you can interpret people's dreams. Is it true? Kids that are listening, is it true? Can Joseph interpret dreams? All on his own, can Joseph interpret dreams? Let's look at what Joseph thinks about it. Verse 16, Genesis 41. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. There is a humbling that has taken place in this verse from back in chapter 40 when he was telling the baker and the cupbearer their dream. Remember, they, they said, we had this dream. He said, why are you guys so downcast? He said, we had this dream. We don't know what it means. And this is what Joseph says. Well, God can tell you what it means. Tell me your dream. He doesn't do that here. Instead, he says, it is beyond my power to do this. I can't do it, but God can. That's humility, my friends. 
In fact, Joseph goes on in verse 33 to lay out a plan that God gave him and say to Pharaoh, this is how you ought to work this all out. Now, I just want to remind you that Joseph has never been trained. He has never gone to school. He doesn't have a degree in global food management. He doesn't know anything about it. In fact, Joseph grew up and probably, I don't know this to be true, but probably didn't have to do very much. He was a spoiled, favorite child. In fact, the, the biggest thing I think his dad taught him was how to go look at his brothers and go visit his brothers and come back and tattle on what they're doing. That's what we know about Joseph and his upbringing. He has not been trained in management. He has not been trained in agricultural planning. He has not been trained in anything. But Joseph lays out this, this plan and what he does, and this is where the humility comes in. First of all, I can't interpret your dream. It's not in my power to, but God can. And then he also has this plan that he lays out. And you would think that, okay, most of us, let's just be honest, most of us, after having gone through all that we went through, would say, you know, now's my time. Uh, Pharaoh, I have an idea. Here's a plan. I think I can do it. In fact, I've been down there in the jail, and I've been doing it in the jail. I've been taking care of everything in the jail. Just talk to the jailer. And actually talk to Potiphar. I did a pretty good job in Potiphar's house too, so why don't you just put me in charge? He doesn't say that at this point. He has completely humbled himself to submit to the plan that God has for him, and he thinks this is part of what's going on here. But Pharaoh sees something in him that is, that is obvious, and when he says in verse 38 of chapter 41, Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously, get this now, filled with the Holy Spirit? Pharaoh even sees this kid is nothing. This kid is just some slave. And he's been a slave his whole life. And in fact, he's been down in prison for 12 years. And he asked, can we find anyone else so obviously filled with the Holy Spirit of God? The answer is no. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of these dreams to you, he actually sees that God is the one who's doing it. Clearly, no one is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you only. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours, Pharaoh said to Joseph, and I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. That's a huge deal, my friends, because Egypt was the major power of the world of that day. And Pharaoh moved his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger, he dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. And then he had Joseph ride on the chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. Now we're starting to realize now the dream given to Joseph back when he was 17 years old. The people are going to begin to kneel before him. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all Egypt. And Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh. But no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. Wow. That's exaltation right there. Joseph had no clue that this was coming. One author wrote this, an unknown author, an attempt at seduction, a diabolical plot, base ingratitude, the prison with all of its intended horrors, 
Yet his unimpeachable manliness, his faithfulness in doing what is right, his loyalty to the God of his fathers brought the young man into the palace, and he became the governor of the pharaohs. My friends, here's the lesson. Humble yourself. Exaltation is on the way. I don't care where you are. You need to humble yourself underneath the mighty hand of God, 1 Peter 5, 6. If you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will lift you up. He will exalt you in the proper time, when it's time, when he decides that you're ready. Do you understand that? Whatever your circumstance right now, no matter how painful it is right now, you are called to humble yourself and submit yourself under the mighty hand of God. And when God thinks he's done with you, and when God is ready, and when you've been there long enough, he will exalt you in his time. Don't be guilty of the opposite that first Peter tells, when Peter tells us. If you exalt yourself, God will humble you. You don't want to be there. No, you need to, you need to humble yourself and it says, under the mighty hand of God. Do you understand that? Submit to his will for your life. Submit to his plan. And sometimes it's hard, and sometimes it's long. But when you do that, when God's ready, he will exalt you and lift you up, just like we see here. My friends, some of you are right on the verge of the promotion, and you don't know it yet. You're down there, You've been down there for 12 years, and it's just another day in the dungeon. But what you don't know is that your deliverance is coming, and it's, it just takes one glorious morning. Some of you are at the base of the summit, and you just don't know it yet because you can't see it. You do know, right, that God doesn't announce the promotion of the deliverance. In this story, we didn't see God say to him, God didn't, God didn't go down there in a dream to Joseph and say, hey, Joseph, just hang on because just in a couple of days, your exaltation is coming. He doesn't announce it. It just, bam, one day he's in the dungeon, the next day he's standing before Pharaoh, getting a ring, getting a robe, getting a chariot, and everybody's saying, kneel down, here comes Joseph. Because that's what God's plan was that he had for Joseph in his life. Sometimes the glorious summit has clouded over and it's just in your grasp. And when you're there, you need to wait and you need to humble yourself and don't panic and don't overreact and don't try to take things into your own hands. Just wait on the Lord. Your deliverance and your exaltation is on the way. What you have to do right now is trust God. Believe in his promises. Dive into his word and read his great and precious promises that he has for his people. Promises like this one, Lamentations 3.22. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies are new every day morning. Let me pray for you right now. Our Father in heaven, we I can't even tell you how thankful I am that we have your word 
and that your word is true and that it's filled with promises that we can apply, practically apply, and are relevant for our lives right now. I'm so thankful that you've written stories for us in your word that are examples of your people enduring through hard times and allowing you to do work in them so that you can do work through them. That we can read stories of hope like this. And I'm just praying right now for my brothers and sisters who don't have any hope right now in their life. They can't see the summit. They can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. They can't see the calm in the storm. They can't see it, Lord. Give them the strength to humble themselves and submit to the process and let you do the hard, severe work that needs to be done in their lives in order to make them pure. There's gold being made, my friends, and you need to trust the Lord. And I invite you to do that today because he is trustworthy. Never let anybody down. He won't start with you. Give your circumstance to him. Spend some time today. Do it right now. Just say, God, I want to give you my circumstance right now. I want to give you my pain. I want to give you my heartache. I want to give you my depression. I want to give you... My hopelessness. I want to be all that you want me to be. I want to be purified and and proven and tested. And I'll submit to that right now, knowing that you are the God who never fails, knowing that you have a plan for my life, and that plan is not to crush me, but to prosper me and to make me useful. Ask the Holy Spirit of God to minister to your heart. Enlighten your soul. And strengthen your feeble knees with the truth of his promise. You may be listening to my voice right now and you're broken and you know it and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I just wanna speak to you right now and tell you that the reason that you're listening right now is because the Holy Spirit of God is calling your name. And he wants to touch your life and he wants to touch your heart. And he wants to offer forgiveness to you because he loves you. In fact, he loves you so much that he died for you and he knows what you're like. He knows what you're, how you're put together. He knows that you're a mess. But that doesn't matter to him. What matters to him is that he wants you to be his child and he loves you and he's offering salvation to you and you can find salvation in him today. You can find the hope that your life is missing. The hope in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life and you can come to the Father through me. All the things you're trying to find significance in this world are not gonna give you significance. That significance comes through me. 
And my friend, you can confess your sin before the Lord right now, today. That's what I did. When I was 14 years old, I felt the call of the Holy Spirit of God because I knew I was a sinner and I just cried out to him and I asked him to forgive me of my sin and tell him that I believed who he was and I believed that he was a son of God and I believed that he died and rose again for me and I wanted to be saved from my sin and I wanted him to be the Lord of my life. You can do that today. Just simply pray that prayer to him, cry out to him and ask him to save you. And then live your life for him and you, you jump into the story just like we have here with Joseph. A story where God wants to use you in his great big plan for this world. And he's called you and he's chosen you. So Lord, I pray that you'll strengthen my brothers and sisters and all those listening by the work and power of your Holy Spirit. Say the things I cannot say and move in their hearts. We trust you, Lord. <laughs> We're thankful that you are trustworthy and that you've you're true to all your word and you're true to your promises and we lean into that and ask you for strength to help us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Listen, if you made a decision for Jesus Christ today, no matter what it is, but especially if you gave your heart to the Lord, would you please go online and um, get one of our connection cards, our online connection card, and just let us know so we can pray for you. I'd love to get some information into your hands about how you can grow in your new walk with Jesus Christ. Um, if you need help, uh, brothers and sisters, if you need, the, you need help through your circumstance, we're here to help you, and we'll try to help you in any way we can. Just reach out to us. And um, I just want you to know that I'm frustrated. I'm just as frustrated as you are um, about the extended time of meeting together. Um, if you didn't listen and you didn't hear the announcement, we are going to wait until July the 5th uh, to come back together for live worship. Until then, we'll be live streaming just like we are now and encourage you to continue to join with us. And I'm just as anxious as you are. I'm just as frustrated about all this as you are. But my friends, listen to me. The story that we heard today is talking to all of us. And the message is, I have a plan, God says. And this shutdown that we're in the middle of, it seems like forever and we don't like it, and we don't like to be told what to and what we can and can't do and all that kind of thing. But God has a plan in it, and we're not supposed to go around with our heads down all dejected about it and crying about it all day long. Instead, we humble ourselves, and we serve in any way we can. The wonderful thing about Joseph is that he somehow had in his character a servant heart where though he's in prison for 12 years, he served the entire time, in prison. Well, my friends, sometimes this feels like a prison to us, but guess what? We have an opportunity to serve all those around us, to reach out and be the hands and feet of Jesus and serve people. Not just sit and fuss about it, get out and work. Like the people that were helping at the uh, food pantry thing yesterday, we have many opportunities like that. I'm so thankful for those of you who want to jump in. Let's all do it. And let's all see how God wants to use us because in this time, he's purifying his church. I truly believe that. And we're gonna come back stronger and better than ever. So until we get to meet together again, until I get to see you, whether it's online or in person, God bless you. Um, we love you and the Lord Jesus Christ loves you. Let's just go out and share that love. Take care, my friends.
Thank you for joining our worship service online today. Our prayer is that the worship and teaching will inspire you to love God, love others, and influence the world for Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today, we'd love to know about it. You can click on the link for our online connection card. If you haven't yet, you can download our church app and you can see more opportunities and messages and even share this message with a friend. And go to our website, fbcelkhart.org for even more opportunities. We hope to see you back here next Sunday morning at FBC Elkhart.